You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? This your boy, Jerry Clark, and I am the host of Storytime with Legendary Jerry Podcast. For the last 30 years, I have worked with some of your favorite artists, like Outkast, Killer Mike, Jeezy, Akon, Jermaine Dupree, and so many, many more. Storytime with Legendary Jerry is an ode to the South. Southern rap has had the game on lock for years, and now I'm telling you legendary stories of how we did it. Listen to Storytime with Legendary Jerry on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the PHG Podcast. It's your girl, Ebene, and I cannot believe I am saying this, but this is the last episode for 2019. This is a rewind episode of I Am a Psychotherapist, and during this episode, I interviewed my therapist, and she is just so fucking fire, y'all. Like, I am so happy that I found her in July, and this could not have been a better decision for me to take better care of myself, take better care of my mental, because niggas be fucking trying it. Um, So I really do hope that this episode inspire you all for 2020 to invest more in yourself. Um, Thank y'all so much for rocking with me. I started this episode January the 8th, or not this episode, I started this podcast January the 8th, and here we are December 31st, and I, I just cannot be more elated on the support that I've been receiving from all of my professional homegirls out there. So please, if you're listening to this, if you want to show me some love, show me some appreciation, please leave a review on the Apple um, podcast app, only on iPhones. Um, DM me. I have a phone number where y'all can text me that's coming soon. And there's so many more exciting things. So if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email me at hello at the com. And happy fucking New Year, y'all. I cannot believe we're about to be in 2020. And y'all know what they say, 2020 clear vision. So let's get it. Until next time, guys. Later. Welcome. You are now listening to The Professional Professional. 
Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the PSG Podcast. It's Shigera Ebene, and I'm very excited about this week's episode. Um, before we begin, let's do a little housekeeping. Please follow me on Instagram at the Professional Homegirl, at the PSG Podcast, and last but not least, at Ebene Beauty. Please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode. So I'm so excited to interview my guest this week. I think this episode is long overdue, but I want to make sure she was the one. <laughs> and I am interviewing my therapist. So I know a lot of my listeners have reached out to me and I have shared her information. So if you are interested and in, or if you like after if you like what you hear after this conversation, you can always hit her up. Email me at hello at the professional And I, I think y'all gonna really like this episode. So you I ready? Think so I'm ready. <laughs> so my first question is, how were you introduced to therapy? So I was actually introduced to, to therapy in two different ways. One was I attended a transfer high school when I was in my crazy days, back in the days. Um, What's your crazy days? Oh, God. Girl, <laughs> we're getting into it already. Um, so I was a kid that couldn't stand going to school, mm-hmm. and I would cut school all the time. And I took myself, well, you know, registered myself into another high school because I knew that the one high school I was in Mm -hmm. was not working out, which was Bushwick High School. Um, And I found out about, like, this kind of outreach program. And and me and my girlfriend went over there and signed ourselves out. And a part of the program was, like, giving um, kids classes that they actually would be interested in. Mm -hmm. So, like, instead of, like, a regular math class or English, we got, like, um, political government classes. We got psychology and one of the teachers in there was a psychologist, and he was talking about, like, um, how he just, like, helped people transform their lives mm-hmm. and, you know, heal through their pain and things like that. And I used to be so mesmerized by him. So I think I was, like, 17, and I was like, oh, when I get older, I want to be a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got kicked out of that school, and that didn't <laughs> last very long. Um, but then I, you know, life kind of just kept taking this course, and I eventually had my son, um... Got my GED. Just put that out there. Got my GED. I keep forgetting um, you have a son. Yes. I had my son at 19. Mm-hmm. Got my GED. Enrolled in BMCC. And I had, like, switched my major so many times mm-hmm. and different things. And was like, oh, why can't I just get it? Why can't I just graduate? And kind of like a light bulb moment went off. Was like, what are you good at? And I was like, well, I'm good at talking to people. Right. So I registered for like a human service class and mm-hmm. started like seeing counseling classes and stuff like that. And I was like, I like this. So I was like, okay, so my goal could be like something in counseling. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the start of that. That was one part. The second part was just going through my own traumas and childhood traumas. Um, I started to see a therapist like early in my twenties, mid twenties, um, and she was a Buddhist and Buddhist oh, wow. therapist, so very different from mm-hmm. like white American therapists that mm-hmm. we see, right? Old white lady sitting in front of you, like, well, what do you think about that? She was really into like, let's learn some meditation, you know, let's really have some cleansing activities, some mm-hmm. releasing ceremonies, and things like that, and um, I was like this is the kind of therapist like I want to be. I want to do some kind of counseling work like that. So that was the start of like me realizing that I could be a very different therapist and go into therapy. So what was the turning point for you to actually become a therapist? Um, I graduated with my social work license mm-hmm. in 2012, I think it was. Wow, so long ago. Um, and 
I was working in a clinic. Um, I actually, let me rewind that. So I graduated from school and I was working in a high school. I always worked in high schools as a social worker, a counselor, or something like that. And I kept saying, like, I really want to do something different. I want to do something different. And I remember telling my friend, like, I want a part-time job doing something, like, mm-hmm. in the counseling field. And I'm very intuitive about just, like, the universe being present in my life and things happening for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I kept telling my friend, I was like, yo, I need to get a suit. I need to go buy a suit. I feel like I need to have a suit. <laughs> and she was like, what? And just I was for like, the I job just, you want. Yes. And I was like, well, I feel like I need just a suit, like an interview suit. I always have, like, slacks and a, you know, top or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I went to, and I ain't had no money at that time. So I went to JCPenney. <laughs> <laughs> to get me like a three-piece suit uh, for all of $50, right? And as soon as I got in my car, this woman called me and was like, hey, we seen your um, information on LinkedIn. And she was like, we want you to come in for an interview to be a psychotherapist, oh, wow. right? As soon as I got in the car. And I was like, what? So I went and I interviewed and I got the job as a psychotherapist. And she was like, you know, this is your job duties, whatever. This is your caseload. And I was just like, oh, my God. So this is the start of it. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, one of my friends was like, oh, so you're going to be doing therapy. She's like, I got two little kids for you to work with and you could do therapy with them. And I was a play therapist at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that started like my private practice. And then I started my clinical job at the same time and my high school job all at the same time. Yo, yeah, she is such a hustler, y'all. We be like strategizing on things that I can do. And I'm like, wow, like how do you balance everything? Because she really be doing every single thing. Yeah. Um, What would you say is the most challenging part about your job? Because you've been doing this for how long? Um, I've been doing this maybe as a, as a counselor, social worker since about 2000 and. 2009 yeah. um, in my private practice going on four years this year nice. um, I was doing clinical work maybe about four years back um, mm-hmm. so I don't know maybe 10 15 years so, so far yeah my math is not good at all <laughs> um, that's why I'm a good therapist not a good mathematician <laughs> so what would you think what's the most challenging part about your job it is finding a way to relieve or alleviate some of the stuff that you take in. Mm-hmm. So I've heard, I mean, some of the most traumatic life stories and things like that and being able to um, give that to someone or mm-hmm. not absorb it into my own spirit. So yes, I want to be a healer for people, but knowing how to also heal myself and knowing right. when it's time for me to shut off. Um, the other thing is, I feel like when you're good at what you do and you really put your heart into it, so many opportunities pop up. And knowing which opportunities are for you, mm. right? Because you can be like, I just want the money. I just want to do this. But if you really sit back and think about it and be very intentional, you know, you have to say which opportunities are for you. So I think those two things for me, one, being able to, you know, be empathetic um, and hold space for people, but also learning how to, um, you know, be able to bring out some space for myself or open up some space for myself too. How do you remove yourself from like, cause I feel like you're like a sponge in a sense. Mm-hmm. So how do you remove yourself from soaking in somebody traumatic experiences? Um, so like, one of the things is I meditate a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I also pray a lot. Um, when I come into my office, I meditate about just being able to receive people's energy and their traumas, but also to be able to cut off that space because mm-hmm. If I get so wrapped into people's stuff, now I'm just your friend, right? right. And we're crying together. So right. I got to make sure that there's also a certain level of my professionalism that comes in. Um, mm-hmm. 
me being a therapist and the, the skills that I have being able to come into. So right. I try to, you know, kind of balance that out. Yeah. So what do you love most about being a therapist? I feel like you're just so cool. Like. Oh, thank you. Because <laughs> it's so hard trying to find like a really good therapist that uh-huh. you can look at and like really listen to. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, and I know you really love your job. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes it easier for me to be like, all right, let me just open up and tell her how I feel about things. Mm-hmm. So like, what do you love about it? I love that I get to be on a journey with people and their healing. Um, mm. I remember when my therapist was on a journey with me through my healing and I feel like sometimes people have no one at all. And being able to be that person for someone and mm-hmm. see them at their best when they can't see the, the themselves in that space. Right. So sometimes I have clients that are like, I don't have a friend at all. Or I don't have any yeah, any goodness in my life at all. And me being able to say, but I can see you when you have that. Um, right. And knowing that I can sometimes be that phone call where people are like, I just feel like I want to end it right now. And I'm like, just give me a call, right? Let's just talk about it together. So being able to watch people in their journey and experience their journey, but being able to see them after when things are totally different right. and they get all the things that they want in life. What are some <clears throat> miscon- uh, misconceptions about therapy? I think people think the, the main thing is I have to be crazy. Um, you know, True. people are always like, I'm not crazy, so I don't think I need therapy. Therapy is not about being crazy. Um, it is about being able to have a person that you can give, you know, the things that are not okay for you, the unhealthy behaviors in right. your life, the traumas, the dysfunction. It's being able to sit with someone that can um, see your situation um, for you, right? Or extract you know, your your problems and things like that and show you that mm-hmm. it's not you, but it's the problem at hand. Right. Um, so I think that, and I totally got off the question, my big, biggest obstacle. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going on and on. No, <laughs> um, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. So the biggest obstacle for me? No, what's the misconception is about therapy? Okay. Stop looking at my questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the other misconception is finances. Like yeah. people think therapy costs a lot. If you mm-hmm. you know if you get a really good therapist, you're gonna pay two three hundred dollars. Um, that I think is so a, true. And I yeah. just saw like a, a lot of reasons people don't go to therapy. Yes, and I think finding a good therapist, they always find a way to have a sliding scale, right? Mm-hmm. Because they want to reach everyone. What's a, sli- uh, a sliding scale? Just for those who don't know what, so what sli- it is. So sliding scale is when they open up um, their session rates. So it slides from like a lower rate to a higher rate. Right. And then the client gets a chance to choose what feels good for them. So it's a lot of trust in that too because you can say to a client like, you know, I trust that you're going to give me a fair amount my sliding scale starts from, you know, $80 to 100 and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of clients, I feel are super honest, that'll be like, no, I want to pay the top rate because I make enough that I can afford that. Right. So it allows people to slide in either direction based on their income. But do you feel like a lot of therapists offer the sliding scale? Because before I met you, mm-hmm. I was looking for a therapist and I could not find anybody that was flexible mm-hmm. with the rate, with their rate. I don't think a lot of them do. I think now people Especially are, women of color. Yes. I think now people are seeing like, yeah, I can do it. Um, but I don't think a lot of them do it. I have a couple friends that do it. And they're like, no, I see the benefit in it. Because I also want to be sure that everyone is able to get therapy. And right. that's my biggest reason for doing it. Because I'm like, everyone gets to go. Like, everyone gets to go to therapy. And right. it shouldn't be financial, and you know, as your reason why you can't heal yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So what do you think seems to be the biggest obstacle for clients in therapy? Being able to be open. Yeah. Being able to trust. Um, When you come from 
a background of trauma, right? So let's think uh-huh. of sexual abuse. Um, as black and brown people, we deal with a lot of like um, people who are dishonest. Um, you know, they lie to us, they steal, they cheat. Parents who tell us we're nothing, things like that. Right. And now I come in the room and someone's going to tell me that I get to have a good life. Really? Seriously? Like, right. after I've gone through all of this? So being able to trust the process and say, I'm just going to come in and be open. Um, I'm also going to allow this person to know my deepest, darkest things. Right. Because they can help me fix that. Um, being able to be, I, I think, like, um, optimistic that... Yeah life can change, right? And I have some people that have come to therapy for a really long time and I'll say to them, like, I don't think we're moving forward because there's no optimism in this. Oh, damn, you told somebody that before? Yes. I mean, I, come on, Ebony, you sit with me all the time and I will roll up the sleeves and say, this is about to be a little awkward conversation, but I got to do it. We had a session, what was that, Friday or Saturday? Saturday, yeah. Yo, she got in my ass. Yo, I was really coming to coming to um the session. I was like, yo, I don't really have anything to talk about. Like everything is going good and stuff. Yes. And I don't know what made the conversation go into the um direction we went in. But man, yo, she really got you really got in my ass at that. Yes. And I was almost on the verge of crying. I was like, nah, I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> You're like, I'm a man up. I'm gonna be right. strong. Yes. So I've had and and I am not the therapist that would just want to take your money. Like, no, if we're not moving not. forward, yeah. I'm going to tell you. So, and there's been times that I've gotten into it with a client because they're like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, okay, so we've hit our mark of how you can grow, right? If right. you don't want to open up and you don't feel like you want to allow me to hold space for your emotions, we're not going to move forward. We're just going to sit here and look at each other and right. you're going to pay me. I'm not that therapist. So a lot of times I'll tell clients, go home and think about our session, right? Think about what direction you want this to go into. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel like you're ready to move forward, great. What I'm going to tell you is hit me up when you're ready. (laughs) Because we can't sit here and look at each other. That's not the business I'm in. I'm in the business to make sure that you get the life that you want to have. Not that you're sitting here on Saturday mornings just warming the couch. Right. Yeah. But have you ever told a client something that you regret it? No. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, I am thinking while you're thinking. Um, right. While you're True. talking, I am. My, my brain is really like putting things together. I really cough that up to my connection to God in the universe. So mm-hmm. before a client walks in my office, when I immediately walk into my office, I meditate. I always say, I surrender my whole self to you. Whatever it is that you want me to say, what do you want me to do, who you want me to speak to, that's up to you, God, in this universe. Right. Um, and then I walk in that in the day. So mm-hmm. when things are about to come out, there's times that I'm like, okay, like I really want to say this. I will like pause for a second and I'll say to my client, I'm trying to find the right words to say so that this doesn't feel you know, very harsh. Right. Um, the other thing, if I know it's going to be harsh, I'm just going to soften the blow for you. So this is going to be awkward. You think you'd be soft in the blow with me? Yes, I do. <laughs> I, I put on kid gloves with you. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I'll let them week. know. It's going to be awkward. You right. you might not feel good when you walk away from here today. But guess what? It will change your life. All right. right. Sit in that awkwardness. Sit in those un- not so good feelings. Right. Because that's where we want you to be. So we can get out of that. Right. Mm-hmm. So what makes therapy effective? Like how can somebody apply the tools or the resources they use to in um, therapy to their everyday living? 
So practical tools, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a therapist, and one of the ways that I work with clients... I feel like you're giving away some good knowledge. I am. I hope people are listening. No, I hope people <laughs> go and email me and be like, hey, what's your therapist's <laughs> name? Or find a therapist, right? We the, the goal is that, yes, you call me, but find someone <laughs> right. that works for you. Um, so I think that one of the ways that people can... So I work with clients through CBT. So CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. And what that means is Mm -hmm. that your thoughts create a behavior. And sometimes those behaviors could be very, very healthy, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so I'm thinking that I really want to be a millionaire and I know that I got to wake up every morning, you know, and have a regimen and do what I need to do. Some of them could be very, very dysfunctional and very painful and, and just hurtful for people, which can be... I'm nobody and nobody cares about me and nobody loves me. So I'm just going to roll back over in the bed. So we will deal with where do those thoughts come from. Right. Um, But then I will say to you, one of my homeworks would be, and I think this is a a way that therapy works, is doing the homeworks that your therapist give you. So I'll say to be very cognizant of your thoughts, you know, when you're Mm -hmm. about to roll back over in the bed, right? What's coming up for you? So they'll be like, well... Those thoughts that I'm not good enough. Okay, now let's counteract those thoughts. Do the work mm-hmm. in your bed. Bust out your notebook and be like, you know, write in I your notebook, notebook. My irrational thoughts are this. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to write underneath that, but my rational thoughts are this. Do that enough and it becomes automatic for you. So clients do not do the homework because, uh, you know, 75% of it is you outside of the room. 25% is me helping you understand what's happening for you. But the 75% is you being conscious of your thoughts, Mm -hmm. doing the homeworks that we give you, you know, consciously saying, I want to be better and I see myself in an optimistic way. Right. Yeah. Why do you think there's such a stigma of therapy in the black community? I think that goes way beyond <laughs> just right now, right? That right. goes way into slavery, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right? Um, just feeling like we just got to keep on moving. We got to keep on going. We can't let grandpa's death affect us, right? We can't sit here and mourn for a husband that we lost. We can't sit here and mourn a husband that cheated, a wife that cheated, someone that left. We can't do that mm-hmm. because we have to move forward. We don't have the financial means to stay home you know, 12 days to grieve. We got to get back to work. We don't have insurance, you know, to pay for these things. So all of this plays a part in why people don't really get therapy. You know, the financial part, you know, the stigma that we're not crazy. Um, And if you go into a therapist, you're crazy. The other thing is hidden secrets, Mm -hmm. right? So many families have all these hidden secrets and they feel like, you know, if I tell you now it's out there, like molestation and things like that. If I tell you uncle such and such was touching me. Which is really big in our community. Yeah. If I tell you that he was touching me, now the whole family Mm -hmm. has to really, really start to recognize that. And people have to own up to the things that they've done, right? Right. Sweeping it under the rug, um, you know, telling you this didn't happen. So a lot of people are not willing to do that because when I come to therapy, it's not just me that changes. It's the system, right? It's my entire family that starts to change. And that could be super painful. So how do you think we can break that barrier? I think by more people just coming, right? Right. And people saying... And spreading the word. Spreading the word that, you know, when I go to therapy, I feel really good. You know, I, I put my secrets out there, but it's my therapist's job to hold that. Right. right, I'm not walking down Broadway saying, "Hey, I know everybody's secrets. <laughs> I know what right. your mama did." You know things like that. When you walk out my office, it's like this never even happened. This right. is between you and me. So this is your safe space to talk about all of that. Right. But also knowing that there is a hope that things could change. So if I come in the room all the time and I share these things and I get 
feedback and information. My whole system can change. Right. Work can change. My family can change. Yeah, that is true Generations about Generations after. Right. Right? All these things could change if I just start to change. Hey guys, the PSG podcast is sponsored by Ebony Beauty. Ebony Beauty is a beauty company that I founded and our very first product is our beautiful mink lashes that you can wear up to 25 times. Yes, 25 times with the proper care. Um, for more information, visit ebonebeauty.com. Use code PSG10 to receive some coins off at checkout. And trust me, y'all, these lashes are really beautiful. Like, I have been receiving nothing but really good reviews on them. So make sure you go to the web- website, Ebony Beauty, use the code, and let's get back to this week's episode. Um, So you spoke about feeling good. What, what are some other ways a person can benefit from therapy? Um, Changing their perceptions and perspectives about themselves mm-hmm. and the world, right? Um allowing themselves to release a lot of pain because mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, we'll talk about it, but we haven't let it go. Right. Um, you know, we're not going back into the past to keep thinking about it. And a lot of people do it. They just hold it. And, you know, when I'm feeling sad, I grab it off the shelf. I want to add this to my, you know, my pain. But releasing that and letting it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another way to feel good. So I've released that. I've let that go. And what I've done is essentially started to welcome all these great and new things into my life. And that feels good. Right. You know, seeing myself in a newer and, and, and I guess, healthier way. Right. Um, so I know you spoke on this before about you dropping a client that you thought wasn't a good fit. Do you feel bad about doing that or... No, so I don't just, like, open the door and kick you out. I'm right. like, okay, so, <laughs> you know, we'll talk about why I don't think they were a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if that conversation is happening, usually I'm going to refer you to, like, three or four people. Um, I'm on a bunch of oh, sites. Oh, really? Yes. So, but the social work code of ethics doesn't allow us to just, like, discontinue a client and be mm-hmm. like, we're not talking to you anymore. We have to refer you to at least three people. Um, or refer you to some type of resource that's going to help you because, you know, we are the person that's the professional in the room. So I can't just say to you, this don't work for you because what I'm essentially doing is abandoning you and rejecting you. So it's probably the reasons why you've come to therapy. Now, this person that I asked for help has just told me, you're not even good enough for therapy. So what will I do? Especially depending on what kind of mental state they're in. Yeah, what will I do? Go jump over a bridge, kill somebody, do something. So that's never going to be on me. So what I will say to you is... I will refer you to someone else. We're not a good fit. I'm going to give you to these three people. And sometimes the sites that I come off of, I'll just tell them, hey, it's probably best that you just go back to the site and find another person because mm-hmm. just because the two of us are not a good fit doesn't mean you don't make a good fit with another therapist. Right. But I also give them the reasons why. So I'll give you an example. I had a client that was um, just not her time management wasn't good. Right. Um, and then she would always try to negotiate her fee. So when we sit down, uh, yes, it's it's the worst. And I find uh, that this only happens, and I'm going to say this, with black and brown people, right? Yeah. We sit in the room and we feel like, yes, <laughs> we want to negotiate the fee. So I'm thinking, we already negotiated the fee. You're at the lowest level of my sliding scale fee. Right. And I'm okay with that. I'm happy about that because this is what you can afford. But then what happened was it was... It was like she came into therapy and then a friend of hers came into therapy. Two separate situations, two separate people paying two separate fees. But it's kind of like, I know you paying lower, so I want to pay lower. Yeah, I never tell people how much I'm paying. Yes. So then she told me that her friend was paying lower. She wanted to pay lower. I was like, all right. I kind of knew that was going to happen. So 
I'm gonna eat. That's kind of tacky, though. It is tacky, but I'm gonna eat ten dollars. Like, right. The universe gonna provide for me. God gonna provide for me. So right. ten dollars is not gonna kill me, and you're gonna still be okay, right? So then that happened. Then it was kind of like I have a cancellation policy. I like for people to cancel twenty four hours before, mm-hmm. at minimum, right? Because if you cancel before. 24 hours before, I can call you up, Ebony, and say, right. hey, someone canceled like I did. What you did, time. Right. Yeah. Someone canceled. I have an open space. And I was you excited. Know. Yeah. <laughs> you could come in two hours earlier right. and still have your whole day. But it was happening to, like, to the point that it was right before her session. So it was annoying me. And I'm going to be very serious. It was annoying me. Right. And I was just you like, you can't okay, get back time. You don't value my time. Right. First, you've said that when you wanted to negotiate your fee. But now you're saying that when you're not valuing my time. So I was just like, at this point, you know what? I think that you need someone that is around the time frame with you, same time frame you need, but someone that you actually can afford as well because I don't think you can afford my fee. Right. Um, of course, she was pissed off. And that's yeah, for that her to was she pissed? <laughs> she was pissed. Um, and, and that's for her to deal with. And, and I was just like, here's three people that I'm going to refer you to. And also back to the site that you were on. But do you think people <clears throat> like that do that because you are a woman of color? Um, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I think they do it because they feel like they don't want to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like... Because she probably wouldn't have did it to my girl, Becky. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I feel like they feel like when they walk in the room, right. like, oh, she's a sister. Right. Right. She's, she's my sister. Right. Um. And do I feel like I want to pay, a, a, you know, another black woman or a Damn, black person? Yes. So that hurts my heart when that happens because I'm like, we always feel like we got to negotiate with our, you know, with our people as right. opposed to, you know, just giving them the fee that they asked for. But you won't do it with Becky. Right. Right. Becky asked for $200. You find it for two ten. Right. <laughs> right. You putting down those bags in the store. You right. putting down those shoes and you actually paying her. But you won't pay a black or brown woman. Yes. Damn. That's yeah. sad. Yeah. And it's hard for all of us. Right. Like, I've been on panels with white women, Asian, you know, black women, and black men. And we all talk about, you know, how hard it is for us because we love the work, how hard it is for us to actually charge certain prices. Right. So, when we're doing it, it's like a struggle, too, because we're like, damn, I want to charge somebody $175 for right. doing the work that I enjoy. But then you Which you're really good at. Right. And yeah. you're going to look me in the face and tell me you ain't even worth it. So that's hard too, right? right? So you don't... Usually I don't like working with clients that are negotiating all the way down the road. Yeah. Damn. That's kind of... It is really sad. Yeah. It because, becomes sad. And yeah. I always think to myself like, why would it have to be my sister, right? If exactly. you know that's that I'm going like, through... It hurts a lot because of somebody yeah. that looks like you. Yeah. Right. I'm like, why? When I have clients that don't look like me that are so happy to pay, right? right? They're like, oh, I'm paying for the whole month. Right. I'm coming in here four times. I'm paying for the whole month. Here's my everything. Right. right there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, what's the difference between a psychotherapist and a psychologist? So a psychologist um, is a person that, in, in my opinion, deals with more of um, neuro- like neurological stuff. Um, and they do similar work to us, mm-hmm. but they are more about brain and neurology and things like that. Right. We are more about behavior. Right. So we really deal with thoughts and behavior. Just in case somebody wants to know the difference, because you are a psychotherapist. I'm a psychotherapist, yep. And psychologists deal with more of like um, 
long-standing trauma. So they go mm-hmm. through your entire life history. You can get like a psychoanalytical um, therapist too that deals with all of the like childhood trauma. They kind of stay in this. How do you feel? It's more of you talking right. um, and them just listening, tapping into your emotions. We are more about behavior. Right. So future forward, um, talk therapy, um, future focused, and more um, practical tools. And how do you feel about, because I'm just curious, how do you feel about medication and therapy? Um, it doesn't bother me. I do tell clients really try to think of like a holistic point of view. So think of your diet, think of your vitamin intake, think of your workout regimens, how many days you, how, how many hours you're outside, how much sunlight you're getting, your friendships, your family relationships, your intentional relationships mm-hmm. you're making, your your jobs, right? Think of all these things Ooh. because if all these things <laughs> right. was in harmony, sometimes you don't need the medication, right? People right. come in with anxiety all day long. When mm-hmm. you get to the root of the problem, it's like, I'm anxious because I can't get on the train because right. I had a trauma on the train. If we work through that, then you don't need the anxiety meds. Right. But then I think on the other side of that, there are people that really, really need the medication. And I tell them, if you need them, take them. Uh, make sure that you're doing yourself a service by you know, right. doing both. So psychotherapy and medication. Right. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. I was just <laughs> thinking while you was talking something like, that's so true because like, I text her. Uh, well, she's probably like one of my go-to. Because mm-hmm. I text you when I was about to leave my job. And I was like, hey, is this is a good deal. This and that. Mm-hmm. I show her um, the offer that they was making for me. So that just shows to you how much I like really trust her and like value what you say. And mm-hmm. it just kind of sucks that people that look like us are not willing to invest in themselves by mm-hmm. paying you what you deserve. Yeah. I also think people don't think it's super important. Like I know when I was doing therapy, I was like, okay, my therapist at the time was like $70 or something. And I was like, well... If I'm not going out to eat every single day in a week, go. I can actually pay for therapy. Right. Um, you know, if I'm not buying an extra pair of shoes that I probably don't need, I could pay for therapy. I also really wanted a total different life from what I had in my 20s. And that was the only way to get it. Right. If I really worked through whatever traumas that I had within myself. So for me, it was really seeing myself in a different place, mm-hmm. um, space within myself, um, and being very intentional about that and saying... I'm going to sacrifice some things because my life, you know, 10 years from now, seven years from now, is so much worth it, right? right. It's worth me doing that. I could buy shoes anytime, right. right? Seven years later, I could buy all the shoes I want. Right. But for now, I really need to be sitting and talking to someone and working through probably why I need all these shoes, right? right. <laughs> to make me feel better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, how often would you recommend therapy? Um, so I usually see clients every other week mm-hmm. as opposed to weekly. I do see clients that are in major crisis once a week. So people who are going through big transitions. So if you are going through work stuff. So there's been times you and I seen each other like yeah, once a week. Yeah, man. I told y'all my last job was killing me. Yeah. So when you have things like that, you're just like, I just need to give this to someone. I need insight. I need hope, right? Yeah. So every time I sit with this person, you're like, okay, so we're moving forward. We're working. This is what we're going to do. So next week it look better. That feels good for some people. Right. But for some people, they're like, okay, so I'm, you know, pretty even though in my life, but I know that things come up every two weeks and I really want to work through them. So mm-hmm. weekly or bi-weekly. And then I have people also, to finish that off, sometimes once a month. Oh, um, really? That check-in, yeah, that I've been seeing, though. Mm-hmm. So I've had people I've been seeing for four years now, and mm-hmm. they're now, like, checking in once a month. And what's the age limit? Like, what do you, what do you think is the appropriate age for somebody to start going to therapy? 
Um, Do you see kids still? So I used to, yeah, I was, I don't see kids anymore, but I was a play therapist and I started seeing kids that were maybe four or five years old. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I seen kids that dealt with sexual trauma. um, At four years old, they was able to... So it's it's really the reason why you do play therapy with them. So you're playing with them while they're talking to you. Um, you're doing coloring. It's, it's it's very intentional play. So you're playing with dolls and doll houses and things like that. And mm. they're, they're showing you things. Um, you're teaching parents how to work with them, how to help them through their trauma, how to help them not have nightmares. And how, how difficult was them. that? That was hard. Yeah. It was very hard. It was very um emotional. Um, working with kids that you're like this innocent kid was raped. Right. Yeah. And just because someone was like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe that happened. The kid internalized this. Like people said, I don't believe you. Right. And from then started to really act out. So you're teaching parents how to say, no, I did believe you. Right. I, I just it was a surprise to me. Um, And then also helping parents to really navigate through that as well. And then you're teaching kids, kids that they don't have a voice. Yep, you're teaching them that they have a voice. You're teaching them how to really express their emotions mm-hmm. instead of acting out and throwing things and, you know, misbehaving That's and sad. things like that. You're teaching them to say, you know, I'm scared. You know, I'm scared. This this thing hurt me. Or that man reminded me of the man that did this to me and, right. and that made me scared. Or you touched me in a way that made me feel icky, right? And right. I want to be able to tell that to someone. So it was hard. I loved it, though. I did it for a couple years and then... I, Kind of as I grew, I started to grow into different populations. But as early as four years old, kids to get therapy, I work with people that are 23, 24, Mm -hmm. um, all the way up until 50s, 60s. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some advice you would give to the listeners if they want to lead a more fulfilling life? One, I think if you are in a place where your life is not fulfilling, sit down and talk to someone and figure out why. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, figure out why we are still doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, mm-hmm. um, which is the definition of insanity. I'm doing the same thing every day and You're I'm thinking that it's going to be better. Right. So sit down and talk to someone. The other thing is really sitting down and saying, you know, where do I want to see my life go? You know, mm-hmm. I am doing the same thing over and over again. But maybe I don't even have a trajectory on where my life should go or where I want it to go. Um, Sitting down with yourself, by yourself, and saying, what can I imagine happening in my life Mm -hmm. five years from now, seven years from now? With no holes barred. Because sometimes we do that and we're like, well, I don't know if I'm going to have money for that house. Well, we don't know, right? And we can get you there. We don't have to dream with, like, limits on it. So Mm -hmm. allowing people to sit with themselves and say, where do I see myself going? And if I'm capable of getting there on my own, if I'm not, let me reach out to someone and talk to them about it. Yeah. I even say to people, do four or five sessions. You don't have to walk into it with a lifelong, you know, commitment to it. Do four four or five sessions. Get some insight. Have you ever told somebody that you think their time is done? Like they reach their highest potential? What do you mean by highest potential? Like you felt like, Maybe they have reached the highest level of their growth. Like they was doing, they did so well over the years, and there's no need to like, unless they really need to come back to you. I've never said that to a person. What I usually do with clients is maybe monthly or mm-hmm. every two months, we'll sit down and talk about the progress um, that they've had and what are the growth, you know, places in their lives that they have grown. Um, and then I will say to them, "What do we want to work on next?" Right. Um, but therapy is. 
life is like a like you're like an onion so mm. you'll come for a couple of days or a couple couple sessions and you're just peeling off the outside layers so that's a lot of pillars yeah so you learn about those things and as you get through that another bunch of layers come and then another bunch of layers come um and you continuously do it right until you get to the point where you're like oh everything has changed right. and then it's like I don't want it to ever go back to that. So most people are like, I'll check in with you once a month. Right. I will have these once a month check-ins because life still happens all yeah. the time. And I'm going to be triggered still. I'm not healed 100% where life don't make me feel any way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people check in every couple months because something happens, right? right? They get married, a baby is born, a job is lost, a relationship is lost. And when those things happen and we're in emotional distress, it's so easy for us to shift back into who we used to be, mm-hmm. even if it's only for a moment. But you want to make sure that you have a lifeline to someone that can say, all right, so this happened. We're okay, right? right. We're okay. Life shook you for a little bit. Things are going to be okay. We're going to move forward. Like, breathe, Ebony. Breathe. breathe. Yes, <laughs> breathe. And I remember my therapist used to say that, too. I used to be like, oh, my God, it's a catastrophe. You <laughs> right. know, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And she would be like, just breathe. We're going to get through this. It was just a bump in the road, right? Mm-hmm. Life comes in ebbs and flows, and let's get through this together. And people really need that. Do you still talk to your therapist? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice, nice. Yep. I talk to my therapist probably once a month. Oh, nice. um, or if life starts happening, I'm like, okay, I got to call her because I got to give this to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've known her for so many years mm-hmm. since I was in my 20s that um, it's kind of like, a friendship like right. I can call her and say okay this is what's happening for me and let's figure it out and she knows my probably darkest secrets she's probably the one person in this world that knows my deepest darkest secrets and she gets it right, right. and she's just like okay so this is what's happening and remember 10 years ago when we worked on this and this used to come up now is the time for us to work through this right. because things can come up in therapy but you're not ready to work through them right but the more you keep on working on other stuff it'll be like okay so this came up a long time ago now i'm ready to work through it because i'm seeing it happen in my life so often right and last but not least what is some advice you would give to the listeners out there that's a little nervous about seeking therapy because people be scared People are scared. I say find a person that looks like you. My therapist. Um, yes. <laughs> um, find someone that looks like you. But also go in with an open mind. Mm-hmm. It, it is something that's very fearful because we're, we're going against the norm, right? We're doing things that are very different nowadays. We mm-hmm. are putting more, more effort into us. We are trying to heal these wounds from ancestors, right? Mm-hmm. So that is scary. But it doesn't mean that it has to be paralyzing, right? right? So I'm scared, yes, but staying here scares me most, so let me just try it. Right. Um, also, talking to friends about it, like, hey, girl, I've been thinking about therapy. What do you, you know, what do you think? Most of the times, your friends will say, I've had a therapist for five years, right. right? Or I've had one before. It wasn't for me, but it might be something that works for you. Right. Um, looking <clears throat> online and seeing, like, what type of mo- modalities work for you, so... A lot of people will call me and say, hey, I know you do CBT. I don't know a lot about it. I read up on it. Seems like something that can help me. Mm-hmm. So doing some research too. But the biggest thing is kind of like jumping in the water and saying, I'm just going to try it. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to go for it. And I think you touched on a good point because I feel like representation <laughs> really matters because before I met you, I had this young white therapist. I'm like, you know, let me not be um, judgmental or anything. Mm-hmm. Let me just go in there, you know, being open mm-hmm. and stuff. And, yo, she just did not get it. Like. Yeah. 
like yeah. two completely different styles from you and her. So I think it's important that when you do have somebody that looks like you and that gets it, mm-hmm. it makes the process a lot easier. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I'm not counting out like we can't see white people, we can't see Latin people, whatever. Right. But go with what you feel comfortable with. You're paying your money. Right. You know, sit in a room with someone that you're like, I think I'm going to be 100% comfortable with her. I've had, I, I deal with a lot of men too, work with a lot of men. And oh, they, really? Yeah, I have a lot of male clients. So I think my client base is probably 60% men compared to women. Oh, wow. Um, but men will call and they're like, I want a biracial therapist, you know, female therapist. This is the person I want. I want to work with you. Like they know off the bat. Um, who they want to work with so I think knowing who you want to work with and not being afraid to say no like if I do see this white woman and I'm like I don't think she could relate to me finding you someone that can you right. know and working with them yeah well I'm super excited about this episode I feel like my therapist has been very um influential in these past couple of months I mean I got a new job I haven't killed my boyfriend yet <laughs> <laughs> I haven't slept a bitch yet so <laughs> If you need a therapist, I highly recommend my therapist. I don't like sharing people, but I really feel like if you need the help out there. Because, you know, if you, the more people that use you, then the less time I have when it comes to booking no, appointments. No, it's not. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But no, seriously, if you really need a therapist, I'm all about mental health. I feel like we're living in a time now where we have to take care of ourselves mentally because times are getting hard. So if you are interested in reaching out to my therapist, please email me at hello at professionalhomegirl.com. And I have no problem sharing you her information. And you better pay her what you worth. Because I will not play no games with y'all. Um, until next time, guys. Later. Later. Thank you. You're welcome. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Yes. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated... We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? It's your boy Jerry Clark, and I am the host of Storytime with Legendary Jerry Podcast. For the last 30 years, I have worked with some of your favorite artists like Outkast, Killer Mike, Jeezy, Akon, Jermaine Dupri, and so many, many more. Storytime with Legendary Jerry is an ode to the South. Southern rap has had the game on lock for years, and now I'm telling you legendary stories of how we did it. Listen to Storytime with Legendary Jerry on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.